Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night. We are joined with a special guest this week because we need some extra help getting rid of all these fucking rats. We're talking about the graveyard shift from 1990, and we've got our good friend, longtime guest, Kyle, because fucking he's doing a campaign to finally get you some DVDs of Survival of the Film Freaks. So let's start off with that. Kyle, let's talk about this campaign. (laughs) <laughs> yeah what's going on guys so yes uh our, our cult cinema uh, love letter documentary survival of the film freaks uh is now available for pre-order um on blu-ray and dvd um i think there's the whole idea is to try to get this movie out there in a physical format first because uh that's sort of what the movie uh is about and is celebrated for uh so we wanted to make sure that we got the documentary out uh, full feature length doc along with extended interviews, uh, uncut or cut segments from the movie. Uh, we have a little featurette about making the music for uh, Survival of the Film Freaks. And uh, we're doing this all via Indiegogo. So, besides the actual physical media, which you can get, we have some other perks like uh, poster art and a t shirt exclusively designed by Pizza Party Printing. Uh, we also have a, a physical copy of the soundtrack uh, on cassette tape. There's, those are super limited, um, and they only come in like a physical freak bundle. Uh, and we also have like digital downloads of the soundtrack, and there are a few left uh, of a bundle that we call our personal uh, 
personal film freak bundle, which is that you can listen to the directors of the doc, which is me and uh, my buddy, Bill Fulkerson. Uh, we can do a commentary of a film of your choice, uh, both audio and video commentary. Um, and hopefully there's a few left uh, by the time you hear this because they, the first round sold out in the first day. So who's to really say? But that's available uh, along with uh, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but that's on Indiegogo. If you just Indiegogo and search Survival of the Film Freaks, uh, or if you go to our Facebook page, um, Survival of the Film Freaks, Twitter and Instagram is at Film Freaks Movie. And damn, uh, I think that's it. Uh, real quick question, because I haven't really gotten to talk to you too much about this project beyond yeah. just saying, like, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Um, of all the interviews that you got to do, because there's some pretty, like, dope interviews in this documentary, what was the one that, like, blew your mind the most that you were able to get? Um, I, I think that we were pretty uh, surprised to get Joe Bob Briggs just because it was uh, – well, I think maybe now I'm realizing that it was – uh, a little more surprising to get Joe Bob Briggs in the moment. It didn't seem it because this was pre the last drive in pre any of the stuff with shutter. So yeah. he wasn't mm -hmm. doing that stuff just yet. He was doing like, he was traveling and doing screenings of just various films. Like we interviewed him at the Alamo draft house in Yonkers when he was presenting a 35 millimeter print of the Sentinel. Um, oh, so the he was Sentinel. like, yeah, which is <laughs> love, a good movie. love that flick. <laughs> um, so we like, like we caught him sort of off guard. I, I think uh, another one that we didn't expect, was Ted Raimi um, just because okay. he doesn't do a lot of docs and when we met him he was very uh, and not like aggressively so but he was like hey I don't talk about my brother and I don't talk about um, he said it was something else but it wasn't like we weren't going to ask him about yeah I think <laughs> yes it might have clearly specifically been Spider-Man no he was like because <laughs> you know I think I think he's been in situations where a lot of people talk to him because they can't, can't talk to his same. brother or they want to get yeah. the same, you know what i mean um we ted, had, ted has so much pedigree that people don't even realize yeah oh absolutely so i think that like and once i mean and he was upfront about that and then we were up front being like we have no interest in that at all like we we don't like <laughs> i mean we we didn't i mean with, with with what ted has been in and through and he just i mean he doesn't do a lot of docs and i think that's probably why so we were really um excited that he said yes to ours and then we were really excited that we got to talk to him about a bunch of stuff that he didn't care like that he wouldn't have talked about otherwise you know um, yeah no that totally makes sense yeah and uh we can't go too far into it but expect some more kyle because uh we're, we might be collaborating with kyle on a on a super secret project that you'll hear more about in june everybody um, wants a little kyle <laughs> <laughs> But now let's talk about Stephen King's Graveyard Shift from 1990. I picked this one, and I want to thank I, you for it. See, I'm having a I little don't. bit of buyer's remorse. I, I, what the uh, fuck is wrong with you guys? So my <laughs> thing is this: I think that the when I picked this movie, it was because I remembered the last 25 minutes, which oh, I yeah. think are stellar. Mm -hmm. But man, that hour leading up to those last 25 minutes. There's no, I have like three notes that took place in the first hour and everything else is the last 25 minutes. Wow. Yeah. This is going to be an agree to disagree mm. episode. You liked everything I, except for the last 25 minutes? I wouldn't say I liked anything, but I really, <laughs> <laughs> I, I really didn't like the ending because I was like, they don't even know what they're doing. But I did, what I do appreciate, and I didn't realize it because I was introduced to Stephen King as an adolescent. And Stephen King is an adolescent horror guy. Like he's mm -hmm. like when you're, when you're too old for, are you afraid of the dark, but you're just not ready for, 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's like <laughs> a nice little like, you know, here's a family horror. He's a family horror guy. That's I feel really, like. It is true. And the, the, but let me interject real quick. The reason that is is because it's almost nearly fucking impossible to get what he does on paper onto the screen. Yeah. Because it's all about internal conversations. Yeah. So that's the problem with Stephen King. And this was like a six-page short that they adapted uh, into mm, a 90-minute movie. We'll get to that. Brian, continue your thought. <laughs> I think I, I think I'm finished my thought. I actually, I think I'm done for the episode. That's all I have to say about the <laughs> <laughs> We're eight minutes there. in. We're I'll be back next week. <laughs> Thank Wait, you, you didn't do your six degrees. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, Stephen Mock was in the choir voice with Randy Quaid. He was in the paper with Michael Keaton, who was in Beetlejuice. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> paper like twice oh no that was a couple weeks ago but yeah but he leaned paper? on the paper pretty heavily yeah, you lean on the paper dude it's a heavy hitter fucking movie i've never even seen it if only fucking michael keaton was in big trouble dude i'd be fucking killing this game because everyone was in big trouble except for michael keaton apparently. except for michael uh, keaton. so the movie starts off with this guy working by the the cotton machine and for whatever reason he slams his hand against the nail what a numbness. and like and that wound is bleeding so fast. Like yeah. he hits his hand and then he pulls it away, and it's like Carrie just walked into the room coming out of his hand. Yeah. It's insane. Have you ever smashed your hand on something? I've hit my hand, but it's never been like fucking the Texas Chainsaw Massacre exploding out of my fist. He was aiming for that nail. Like he yeah, knew. Workers like, comp, I'm coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> He knew. So while I was watching this movie in the first couple minutes and already feeling bored, I'm checking IMDb and I see a piece of trivia that says that the the producers didn't think that the rats were scary enough. So they hired some people to ADR the sounds of the rats. And it's it's at this moment that he like wipes off the blood on the cotton and throws it on the ground and one of the rats is eating it. And I noticed that the ADR is like a person making num 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 noises where it's just like <laughs> the rats like eating the eating the gotten ball and it's just like, <laughs> like, like so completely off this movie but speaking of adr fun fact i learned this week and i don't know if you guys already knew this but this guy i've been working with um is an audio engineer and he told me do you know what they use for the sounds of the aliens in a quiet place no. they they tased grapes and then slowed what? it down. Yeah. Because he's explaining to me why he loves doing like uh, audio Holy engineering. Work. And he's like, and he's like taser it's like that. Because yeah. someone, yeah, somebody tasted great to see what it sounded like. <laughs> and is like, this will be a cool sound for a fucking monster. That's wild. Yeah. That's the weirdest thing I've heard in a long time because, like, I I like Foley work and I like guessing what they did, but there was no way in hell I'd ever be like, oh, they tasted great. Yeah, <laughs> I know oh, that sound anywhere. Uh, yeah. yeah, like that. Oh, you smack yourself in the board. You're like, fuck, I should have known. Yeah, but some asshole in the movie theater that likes to call out magicians was like, that ain't a monster. That's a fucking grape being tased and slowed down. <laughs> you ain't fooling me, Jim Halpert. <laughs> uh, so this dude picks up the rat and, in some type of power move, throws the rat into the machine, which. It has to break thousands of sanitation laws. It's just cotton. And it's also 1990. They don't give a fuck. That's how you dyed cotton. I don't know. What, what do you want? <laughs> That's how they make all those Stephen uh, and, King rules shirts. 
But yeah, so then then there's like nothing that I have to write about for a while except for that Brad Dorf is awesome in this movie. Like okay. that's my only other note for an hour. Okay, okay. let me let me pause all uh, yeah. you crazy boys. So first of all, <laughs> Kyle, did yeah. you take notes? Uh, yeah, so um I well cuz he was he was teaching a le- he was teaching a lesson to the rats and I yeah. felt I needed to take notes cuz I knew that was going to be a pop quiz. <laughs> yeah. So Kyle, did you take a a a couple notes or were your notes all just in the last 20 minutes uh four four notes um <laughs> none in, none in the last 20 minutes what the fuck is wrong with you people i have a full set of notes for this yeah literally the only thing i thought watching this movie was like man these guys really love the slow fall and that would be the only <laughs> note i have all right so so here uh, let me just take, fill take the reins <laughs> so what breaks my suspension of disbelief more than anything else in this movie isn't the giant rat bat mutant vampire monster it's that pool of rat piss that doris pisses on the 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 chair oh god because it's like a cup of rat piss there's no it's way in hell so much pain if you wrung out that if you wrung out that mouse rat yeah like maybe it has that much blood in it but not piss not piss and like he cleans it up with the cotton but it doesn't seem to clean up anything like it would have been more useful to just flip the chair over for yeah that that room is in shambles there's no need to like try and wipe up some rat piss so (laughs) that that's okay but i'm i'm here's so graveyard shift was actually a short story uh collection of short stories by stephen king that were that was released in what eighty six or something like that. Well, that was that was Night Shift. Oh, there Night is a short Shift. story in Night Shift called Graveyard Shift, and it's just about rats, right? It's not about a rat bat monster, is it? It it is and it isn't. It's weird. It's that there's a bunch of rats, and the lower they go, the more mutated the rats yeah, are becoming. Right. Okay. So like it this in a really weird fucked up way. This, this is, is the, one of the most faithful adaptations of the King That was my King question. Story. I was like, is this – I thought that this was just – because I'm pretty sure that Night Shift – sorry for getting it confused with Graveyard Shift. I'm pretty sure that Night Shift also had the Mangler in it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it had the Mangler yeah. in it. I think it also had Lawnmower Man in it. It yeah, did. It I know that for a fact. And the, sometimes the original they come back. Had, yeah. 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 It, there was I a lot of big Night heavy Shift, hitters out of this. Yeah. <laughs> Night Shift might have had the most um, adapted mm-hmm. – uh, 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 Stephen King stories. I think it does election. over skeleton. I think it does over skeleton crew. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, but ske- mm, we might be screwing that up. I can't remember what's in skeleton crew. I, that- I uh, I'm I'm while while you're talking, I might. Yeah, you, you're gonna do that. <laughs> I, I also think the guy that that collects and redistributes horror paperbacks should be the guy to go do that. All the way. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so. so uh, Anyway, I actually have a note that says, sup, Brad Dorf and cute doggo. Because <laughs> yeah. um, anytime Brad Dorf shows up, like, um, he he's just so – he does 110%. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's what I mean. Just, he's amazing in this. And he has, he's just he's giving it all. About, like, he's talking about how when he was in Vietnam, how the, the Viet Cong would feed um, uh, POWs, like American POWs, to, to – to rats, to hungry rats, and he's got this like Brad Dorf does this thing where he's really good at making one tear. Oh my god, fall. that tear was amazing. Um, <laughs> I hope we never have to discuss it because I don't really have anything good to say about it. I know that I'm in the the minority, but um, 
Exorcist three. Oh, oh yeah. He does that in Exorcist three as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, Brad Dorf is the only good thing in Exorcist three, really. <laughs> I, I don't I just, hate I, Exorcist Three on the level that you do, Scott. But I, am, uh, I was well, he is definitely the standout star of it. <laughs> the reason I hate Exorcist Three, and not hate, but I'm just so like confused. it was overhyped for you by the time was, you saw it. Yeah, it was so overhyped by everyone on the internet, and then by Shockwaves, they were like, "Oh, oh yeah. it's so good! It got like a Blu-ray. It looks amazing." Blah blah blah. And I watch it, and I'm and I. Uh, Granted, I didn't watch it on blue because I don't watch things on blue because I don't care about high quality. I want low quality. And I was just so <laughs> underwhelmed because the, those movies, the whole problem with any Exorcist movie is that the pacing just doesn't work for me. Well, and Scott, so, which have you is, ever just been whelmed? Uh, I heard you can <laughs> in Europe. So the, speaking of pacing – this movie has the dumbest fucking pacing, and oh, I had yeah. no problem with it. That is, That doesn't make any sense to me. Like, this movie should not work for me. And I was confused. I thought I had seen this movie before. This was my first watch. My first watch, too. Oh, I've yeah, seen this first. multiple times. That was my first. I used to love... This is, like, still one of my favorite VHS covers. I used to love this cover of just the, the skull with skull. the hard hat. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that we're going to have another sweet uh, discussion that Matt picked very soon based on the ridiculous uh, VHS cover that I have never seen and am very stoked. There's very <laughs> few adaptations out of Skeleton Crew. I thought there was way more. Night Shift is, has a ton. Yeah, so Skeleton or Night Shift was the the home run for Stephen King yeah. on the adaptation. It, it, I think it might be. Well, wait, where is Children of the Corn and Skeleton Crew then? It, no, it's in Night Shift. Oh, okay, yeah, the Night Shift is my favorite of his collections too. So <laughs> let me pitch. Let me push up my glasses and just let you guys know: uh, Graveyard Shift, The Mangler, The Boogeyman. Sometimes they come back. Lawnmower Man, Children of the Corn, and I'm sure there's probably one feature that I don't know of in here. But then you also got like, wait, what's the Boogeyman? That was a feature. Oh, um, the boogeyman. I don't know was how the book is. The boogeyman was. I don't remember what it was about, but I what, remember. Are you there, saying that it was a? There was an adaptation of the boogeyman. It might have been a short, so I might be like, it might have been a short film. Um, no, no, it's a, if it's what I'm thinking of, it is a full length movie, and it has got a super cool fucking cover that yeah. is framed in my office. But it is an awful, awful movie. I think you're thinking of a different movie. You're thinking of the yeah. one where it's a serial killer that comes back as a ghost. Yep. Okay. So like his, yeah, people. his the boogeyman in here was made into a short, and I'm thinking of the same thing that you're okay. thinking of with the window. <laughs> Like, uh, yeah, 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 great yeah. cover. I love the cover. Terrible, terrible. And then movie. there's two shorts out of Night Shift that were in Cat's Eye. Oh, oh that's yeah. right, because Quitter's Ink is in Quitter's Ink is in here. And uh, what about the uh, one where he's on the Thinner. edge of the building? Oh, Thinner was its own book. Sorry. Thinner was its yeah, own book. That was yeah. a Bachman book. Dude. Thinner. Yeah. If, if nobody's <laughs> ever read Night Shift, we really recommend Night Shift. It's the King's Man, Kyle, when you were when you were guesting regularly, you should have done that every fucking episode. <laughs> um, just throwing this out there. Also, I know it doesn't count as short films, but um, different seasons. Also, I think three of the four stories ended up getting adapted. Uh, yeah. But those are all novellas. Wait, what's in so different seasons? 
Uh, that's Apt Pupil, Shawshank Redemption, and Stand By Me. Oh. What was the fourth one? It's a fucking good one. The fourth one was called The Body, where it's oh, like a- Oh, God, The Body. It's such a bad ending to an otherwise really great collection of short stories. Yeah, The Body was really disappointing. Um, It's 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 an okay read, but it just is not or no, wait. up with- No, no, not The Body. The Body is what became uh, Stand By Me, The Breathing Method. Oh, yeah, where, yeah. Like, I knew what you were yeah. talking about. It's, it's yeah. about the dead baby, right? Well, it's about the wife gets decapitated- while giving birth, but because she practiced Lamaze so much, the body instinctively just keeps doing the breathing method to birth the baby. Oh my god, that's amazing. No, yeah, I, 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 like, I, I wasn't wrong. Amazing. I remembered it. <laughs> it's, it's a real weird story and not good, but... Yeah, it doesn't fit in with, like, apt pupils, like, about the real horrors of, of like, Nazis... Yeah, and maybe, then, like, maybe we should fucking sh- read that book again, America. Yeah. <laughs> and then Shawshank is like this heartwarming story, and like Stand By Me is like this coming of age story. And then it just ends with this 10 page fucking thrown together story about a headless body birthing a baby, and it does not fit in with how realistic the rest of the book is. Man, Stephen King, you fucked the pooch on that one. Uh, so, <laughs> Brett Dorf also has. One of the most gnarly deaths in this movie, where it seems like a coffin maybe yeah, just smashes his smashes face. <laughs> that was I really like that. Uh, well, I mean, I guess this is a ridiculous thing to say, especially from a person like me. But I think that that's my favorite kill in the movie because it just seems so. It seems so pointless. Yeah, and that <laughs> I, I I liked that about it. It was like um you know he didn't die for this, but you know it's just kind of like. His character makes no sense, and you're expecting him to have, like, a bigger... This movie was pretty cool in that it um, sets up expectations and then just destroys them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, I'm expecting this to be interesting. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, like, I, I feel like one of the things that bothers me is, like, the super evil boss was such an unnecessary trope in this movie. Like, you've got a killer monster. Yeah. Like, Wait, he's the only one with a semi-main accent. He's- okay, I was going to ask, is that what is that what they thought main accents were? Because oh. that's not, like, a very good main well, accent. Well, everybody else thought it was a southern accent, so I guess he's the closest <laughs> thing to it. It's, it's very, it is excessive. Uh, it is aggressive. That's a good word for it. Um, it's it's something. <laughs> it's something, but it's also not a southern accent like everybody else. So it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> sure. There's, there's such weird choices in this movie. Like when they're cleaning the rats while listening to Wipeout, and they're just shooting. Oh, serpents! Serpents or it's Yeah, so far. And and the guy who's using the um, he's using the water uh. What the fuck is the word? The hose. Yeah, the hose. He's using it like as a as a phallic symbol almost. He's like, ah! <laughs> it is so, this movie is so odd. Yeah, it's just yeah. this movie is so odd. I liked it. I really enjoyed the watch. Um, but I, I you know, I got I got more more uh, more things to say. Um, <laughs> is one of them keep the ghetto blaster in the ghetto because that might be my favorite line. I, in the movie. No, no, oh, I don't. Geez, yeah, I, that, I, I was, that, that was that was one. <laughs> Spoken yeah. spoken by a character who does very subtle blackface by rubbing oil all over his face to not be found by the bat. Yeah, that was um, real weird too. No, but don't so, be that guy. Don't be the Mary Poppins guy. <laughs> Wait, do your Mary Poppins. No, no. Mary Poppins. <laughs> no, no, I know what Brian's talking about. It's fucking stupid. But yeah. Very stupid. Uh, uh, Warwick, but, but, just so Warwick, awful character. But what, oh, was he in Nam? Was he in the shit? And that's why he's like doing the. 
I don't know what's going on with Warwick. That character has no development except that he fucks bitches and is crazy. Like, that's his entire plot. Line. Oh, yeah. yeah. He I, does. I do love that. He when doesn't he's even work here. Like, <laughs> uh, I love that when he is getting sexually molested by his little side piece out in, in front of his car, he goes, you don't want to be doing that in daylight. <laughs> yeah. And then she's like, I like that. Then she let's do it in the dark. Car. Yeah. Oh, like, oh, dude, like. Most people, you have, like, the bitter ex or whatever that, like, fucks up a car. But this is the most I've ever seen a car really get fucked be, up. Because they're like, fuck, fuck Warwick. He's such an asshole. <laughs> that, like, yeah. It's, it's, that part's dope. Like, there's random moments where I'm like, okay, I'm into this. But it really, for me, I, the movie doesn't start until that fat dude falls through the stairs. And then I'm like, all right. Yeah, fire it up. Movie's on. Fire it up. <laughs> like. It's because it you've comes. been watching too much fucking um, Power Rangers and you just want to see Bulk and Skull. Yeah. I was like, where's yeah. the cake? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he falls in that pit and there's like, all, it's like poltergeist. There's just fucking skeletons popping out of the How water and shit. How are there that many skeletons down there? Graveyard like, doesn't shift, guys. Because Warwick just keeps hiring drifters and then letting them die. <laughs> Like, yeah, the basement full of just skeletons. It was such like a, it was like a, a cheesy Rob Zombie feel, you know. Oh, are and you gonna just... talk shit on Rob Zombie, Mister Rob Zombie? <laughs> Listen, in my mouth, man. I love, that's your I real love name, Rob Zombie. Yeah, <laughs> bleep that out. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, it. that's it. Don't play. That's it. Don't play last names. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love Rob Zombie, but yeah, he he overuses skeletons and rednecks. You know, like as soon as I saw that thing, I was just ready for some vulgar, like white trash guy to be like, "Well, suck a fart out of my cunt." <laughs> it's G over. Um, but yeah, man. Uh, I will say, you your favorite death is the the face smash by the by the fucking coffin. I. The the clip that I use the most from this movie in my Halloween like playlist though is Carmichael just getting his arm ripped out of. Ooh, that, uh, I like that hole. scene. That was too like real, man, because he was actually yeah. a good actor. Yeah. yeah, he he's like screaming. I don't even know if he actually dies in that scene. They just leave him. He no, 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 he, he, he gets, gets dragged away. away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, but the other part that I love in this movie is the fucking reveal of the monster's face when the guy flicks open the lighter and it's just like face to face like the arena cover (laughs) and i'm like oh fuck yeah that thing still looks pretty dope for like a don't go bad dude they just they just get better with age explain that to the jaws prop that universal just left outside for 30 years (laughs) i mean vision on celluloid (laughs) they don't stop looking fucking cool man there's nothing that has like ruined my fear of sharks more than looking at the 10 years later prop of Jaws where all the teeth have fallen out and it just looks like a grandpa. Okay, so <laughs> you'd be okay with getting sucked by a fucking shark? I wouldn't want a shark to suck me whole. Just <laughs> wait, 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 what are we talking about again? <laughs> a, a, a toothless shark. I'm never getting killed by a toothless shark. Um, but yeah. Yeah, man, like, I love the, I love the, there's little scenes in this movie, before they reveal the full bat creature, there's, like, these cool scenes where, like, right before a guy dies, where, like, you kind of see the wing expand in the background, and, like, they did a good job of, like, showing bits and pieces of it, 
but I found a picture of what it looked like. And it's a cool fucking creature. Yeah. Like, it just it's, looks cool. I also yeah. love that there's no explanation. Uh, you know, I, I almost wish that no one would have lived because that would have been kind of better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one does in the book. Um, the the guy, uh, the, the drifter guy lets the creature eat Warwick. But then as he's trying to run out, all the rats get him and the rats eat him alive at the end. See, I would totally cool. be down with that. That's that's cool. And yeah. what, So... And I think we might have already touched on it, but I the reason I hate the ending is did I black out? Did they ever explain why Warwick just decides to jam a knife in no, her side? No, and that's also one of the things I really liked about this movie is that it just feels so dark. You know, like there's no reason for Warwick to be anything at all in this movie. And then he is like a straight psychopath for no reason. And it no just reason feels at like all. I don't I, I really wish that I could explain why that does it for me here because it's not my usual but it's just cool because it's it's so unexpected you know I didn't really think I, think of, I didn't look could... at it like that because but now that you say it, it it's kind of it it sheds a little bit of light on his character for me because it's like okay so he's hiring all these drifters and they're disappearing so he obviously doesn't care so then when he gets close to knowing why that's happening it like excites him more and it like, it gets him like more dastardly and more like evil almost like it. it... Yeah. You almost wonder if he like, is like, Oh sweet. I can just, cause he seems like that type of dude who doesn't want to pay people. Yeah, right. I mean, so it's like, Oh cool. Cool. Now I can just keep getting drifters. And before I have to pay them, I'll just feed them to this fucking rat creature in my basement. Right. right. <laughs> like... Yeah. Yeah. So like once he like uncovers more of what that is, he's like, Oh, this is what is ha-. like. He almost morphs into like, that's the most evil thing besides the actual like rat bat. Do it again. Creature. I, I wouldn't even <laughs> consider the rat bat evil. He's just taking, he's, he's just living he's his life. True. You're right. You're right. It ain't it ain't easy down there. And then no. he gets he gets pulled into the cotton picker, and that's pretty gooey yeah. and gross. Oh man, I love that. Yeah, I love it. But good. also, uh, I have a question about that part. Um, why wouldn't you just run over and hit the button? You want to show off your six skills? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't even know. Like, you can't just have a slingshot like that. I like. Where and why the was fuck that did with that him? Come from the whole time. He's a drifter. They have slingshots and and bandanas for carrying. I honestly love this movie. Yeah, and I left this movie kind of wanting to buy a slingshot. <laughs> uh, good, good I, have, I have one. Um, I got it in a state sale for like three bucks. Worth the $3, my friend. Amen. Yeah, I feel like it'd be fun. Scott, would you have been happier if, much like in Demon Wind, he just karate kicked a soda can into the uh Oh, into the start my button? fucking <laughs> God. Well, I guess you found my double feature. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Scott, you love this movie for a variety of reasons. Can you guess why I love this movie? The the, the cover? It because it ends with a fucking hip hop track. Oh yeah. Oh, I turned it off. Yeah. I turned it this off movie, before the fucking music. Started. Oh, I let the whole thing rock, the, dude. Yeah, Great. The, it's, Scott, it's one of those ones where it's not a rap song. There's no one rapping. It's just a rap beat with samples from the movie. So it's just oh, like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Graveyard. Gra- 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 <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I was like, who ends this movie like this? The tone is all over the place. It's wild. <laughs> it's like, this isn't Monster Squad or Men in Black. It's fucking Graveyard Shift. It doesn't need. It's like when People Under the Stairs ends with that rap song. It's like, we just watched 
some really fucked up shit for like an hour and a half and we're ending with just like a hey everything's all right like rap song in the background it's ridiculous this, <laughs> i love this it. movie was like pitched and written just like with uh a stephen king 101 like cheat sheet which is just like okay yeah main for sure and you got to have like you know, blue collar, blue collar workers. Oh yeah, we can do that. And then they do. They have lines like "get the get, keep the ghetto blaster in the ghetto" or whatever. And then they are talking. One of my favorite lines, which is my fourth note that I wrote before I didn't write anything else, was they were talking about like how they're all family or they're all in this together. And the woman, I forget her character's name. She just goes, "Yeah, the Manson family," which makes no sense. <laughs> They aren't, nobody, nobody in there is similar to the Manson family, but they're like, oh yeah, this is a horror movie. We should have a line that re- references the Manson family. But that also doesn't sound like something Stephen King would have co- completely not. It's like, no, none, none of, they're like, and uh, oh my God. And they have to have like the crazy character who has a monologue in Brad Dourif, but like, uh, uh, but Honestly, that doesn't even feel like Stephen King the way that they presented in this movie. It's like nothing is nothing is close to King in my mind, with the exception of like what it's like they wrote the synopsis to be Stephen King and then they made an entirely different movie. It's well, I do I think that Warwick is a very Stephen King antagonist mm-hmm. because that's also one of his big things is that there is a supernatural threat, mm-hmm. but then. Is the supernatural threat worse than the human threat? The human threat. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. So I get that, and I also think that Warwick was written well in in that. If you look at it like that, Mm -hmm. he's just fucking ridiculous. I I love this movie. I don't know how often I'm going to watch it, right? but I really enjoyed my watch. And I had no problem with the pacing because I took it as a Stephen King movie. Sure, okay. You know, like yeah. uh, you, uh, people. You know, they they slobber all over Pet Cemetery, but mm-hmm. uh, and it's been a while since I've watched Pet Cemetery. But I bet that the pacing's not much better in that movie, and that movie is a classic. Honestly, you're pre- I think you, I would agree with that. Yeah, I think that like the pacing. Most is little... Stephen King movies, the pacing is not great. I think there's a couple more layers to Pet Cemetery, which like adds to oh, it, yeah, like, yeah. which luckily like sort of adds to it. And I mean, that's what happens when you make a 20 page short into a feature film. Um, right. They they actually had a little bit more to work, work with, with on that. Yeah, for cemetery. sure. But the, no, the pacing is similar. I, I think that that like I think that that would that would be a true statement. Damn right. Damn right, dog. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. 
Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Okay, so uh, what's everybody's double features? Well, let's let let's let Kyle go because he's the special guest. Mm, let's not because I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, cool. That's I may have forgotten to tell Kyle about this part. Uh, so I think my double feature with this bad boy is hmm. I, I have think? one. Go for it. Then you start because I'm I'm blanking now. I am going to do the cheapest possible answer and say the mangler just because <laughs> yeah. it feels like a true compliment because it's the same movie just with different concepts i would also say that you could you could also uh do a triple feature or you could do a, another double feature and not do the mangler mm-hmm. you could do gnaw yeah food of the gods because those have giant rats right 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 yeah okay okay so i would do because i forgot about the idea of just you're walking through a blockbuster looking at vhs tapes in that scenario, I would look at that skull with a hard hat, and then I'd look over into the B section of the video store and see another skull staring at me on the cover of Bloody New Year. Yeah! And I'd be like, man, it's going to be a skeleton double feature tonight. Oh, man. And then there would be no skeletons in either movie. <laughs> but you know what happens in bloody new year that i like <laughs> oh god you and your fucking are my seam showing bullshit are my seam um, straight get it right or what, else i can't what? complete myself <laughs> <laughs> all right brian or kyle which which one of you wants to take the next dive for a double feature here so i would be like you know what i'm in a mouse kind of <laughs> ratatouille <vibe. laughs> yeah Stuart Little. <laughs> i was gonna go with five goes west no. <laughs> so we're gonna watch willard but original willard would be disrespectful to watch with this movie <laughs> so we're going crispin glover <laughs> yeah yeah we're going to the remake of willard and, and no one's happy you <laughs> you took what i was gonna say um, so I'm gonna say That's I'm gonna now you can go grab, last. So I'm gonna say Ben. The nice. sequel to Willard. <laughs> um, no, I uh, no, uh, there's um, I want to say it's Bruno Matai who did a Rats movie, and um, I'm trying to remember because there's of course like three different titles to it. Um, but there is yeah, Rats Night of Terror, and um, because <laughs> nothing would follow up uh, a really like american uh adaptation of a stephen king book from 1990 than a horrible uh italian horror movie from the mid 80s um about rats (laughs) i think that'd be a nice fun thing to follow up because i think that uh graveyard shift can kind of go either way and it's also like it whether you like it or you don't on the whole like 
it's it's not anything it's not trying to be anything that it's not it's like very much like a 90s stephen king movie um or at least a 90s horror movie like even even i don't feel like it's stephen king it's definitely like that early 90s horror where it's just like okay it's there um so i think uh regardless it would be nice to do something a little crazy afterwards and we'll do rats night of terror I was shocked to find out this movie opened number one the weekend that it came out, but it also came out two days before Halloween in 1990. So I can't imagine there was a lot of competition going on either. Yeah. But, but, uh, all right, Kyle, before we wrap up one more time, where can people go to donate to get their pre-orders for survival of the film? So, uh, best thing to do is just go to Indiegogo and search survival, um, survival of the film freaks, or you can go to our Facebook page. We've been posting the link, uh, all the time. Um, I mean, the, the, we'll post it too. Yeah. Oh, thank you guys very much. Yeah. Um, actually, yeah, I know. I think it's on the. It was in the group before, and uh, yeah, it'll be it'll, in the group it'll again. Be in the group again. Um, but yeah, Indiegogo, um, <laughs> Survival of the Film Freaks. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at Film Freaks Movie. Uh, we're gonna be pretty annoying. Um, for the length of the campaign. <laughs> um, but um, at the, we're we're doing really well, and the response has been great. And uh, I appreciate you guys having me on and, and let me watch Graveyard Shift with y'all. Hey, before we before we end for the week, I um I got word from my wonderful wife that I'm an idiot because uh the Armai seems straight isn't from Bloody New Year. Bloody New Year was paying homage to the greatest comedy of all time. Some like it hot. Marilyn Monroe asks the two crossdressers, Tony Curtis and um Jack Lemon, she's yelling at me from the other room. I can hear her in the background. I hope it comes through for the episode. But, but they're standing there, dressed as women, and she turns around and is like, "Are my seams straight?" So wow! And Megan was so pissed off. I actually like. Uh, she was like, "You don't know what that's from." And I, 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 I muted myself and I was like, "What are you talking about?" She was like, "Are my seams straight?" Is from uh, some like it hot. I was like what? And she's like, I can't believe you don't know this. She's like so offended. <laughs> I mean, it is the greatest comedy in American history, Scott. Get it together. It, 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 it is, really a, it is, is one of the movie. greatest comedies. It, I mean, it, that movie is older than my parents, and it's still one of the greatest <laughs> films ever. Um, so that was Graveyard Shift from 1990, as picked by me. Next week. We're going to like totally go to the mall and it's going to be so much fun. So tune in next week to see what we're talking about. But in the meantime, hit up our social medias, hit up all of our website stuff, hmnpodcast.com and make sure that you rate review and subscribe on iTunes while you get a chance. And then when you're done doing all of that, head over to Indiegogo and donate to the survival of the film freaks campaign for Kyle. We will be back next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. friends the world got you down don't be sad listen to two dollar late fee with zach and dustin two dollar late fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment the 1980s we pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today 
We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 